lineup for uh, starting today. Well, it started on Christmas Eve with, with Ron, uh, and on right through the month of January. <laughs> nice. Um, so Ron spoke on Christmas Eve, and this morning we have the pleasure of hearing from his better half. He would agree with that. Uh, Dr. Wanda Walborn is a phenomenal teacher and minister, and uh, she's a woman full of the Spirit, and she's ministered to me personally, spiritually over the years. She's a fantastic woman of God, and so I'm really looking forward to hearing what she has for us. Let's give her a warm Risen King welcome as she comes up. Well, it's a pleasure to be with you. We have, uh, Ron and I have been members of this church for about 15 years, 15, 16 years. So it is a pleasure to be with you again in this capacity. Um, I didn't do this before, but I just, I want to pray, all of us to pray for Mike right now, if we, if you don't mind. Holy Spirit, we are thrilled that you have given us Pastor Mike and Lisa as our shepherds. And we love them. And we know how much you love them. And I ask, Father, that right now you would send your warrior angels to guard their home and your ministering spirits to be within their home and to fill that home with the healing presence of Jesus so that as Mike recovers, Lord, it is, it is just a, a beautiful picture of your presence and him being able to rest in that. Lord, I pray for... Anna and Brian and Joseph, as they are there too, and I pray that uh, in spite of the unexpectedness of this holiday season, it would be full of richness for them. And so we ask for your healing and your peace on them, letting them know that the church is good, he is a good staff, and uh, you are taking care of all things. So we bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we made it through Christmas, and now this week is New Year's. So you know what that means, don't you? New Year's resolutions. We're going to lose weight. We're going to go start exercising again. We're going to go to the gym five days a week. We're going to do three days of cardio. We're going to do two days of strength training. We're going to be skinny by June. Right? (laughs) You know, it's interesting. (laughs) This, we have applause there. The thing that's interesting is that when oftentimes... We fixate on resolutions, New Year's resolutions. They're all, all, oftentimes fixated on outer appearance. And it's very rare that we actually fixate on resolutions of the heart that actually make a big difference. It's far more important of what's going on in the heart because if the heart is right, it affects our outer man. But if you look at Scripture, the people who cared for the heart are the ones God promoted in his kingdom. So today I want to look at a man in scripture who knew how to tend his heart. We're going to look at 1 Samuel 16, and the man is David. If you would turn in your Bibles there, it'll be on the screen, but I'm going to give you a little background before we get to verse 6. What had been happening prior to this is that Samuel, the prophet Samuel, was very distraught over the fact that Saul had been rejected as king. He was mourning, he was grieving. And God came to him and said, Samuel, how long are you going to grieve for this guy? I rejected him. 
get your flask of oil, be on your way. I want you to go to Bethlehem. I have someone over there that we're going to anoint. And so get up, quit mourning, and go over there. And I will show you what to do when you get there. That's when we pick up in verse 6. So when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Samuel pass by, and Samuel said, Nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, The Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, Are these all the sons you have? They're still the youngest, Jesse answered. He's tending the sheep. Samuel said, Send for him and will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him bring brought in, and he was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. And then the Lord said, Rise and anoint him. He is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. And Samuel then went to Ramah. People focus on the outward appearance. If you look at verse 6 there, It says, even the prophet Samuel surely thought, saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed, this is the one. The prophet thought that. But what we need to realize is that when David, when the story we're going to look at this morning, David isn't the big shot David the king. He's, this is before he got there. And I want us to look at how did he become that guy. What was it about David that God saw and chose him? And therefore, what is it that we need to do to tend our hearts? You see, David knew how to tend his heart. It goes on in this passage and it says, the Lord does not look at the things people look at. The Lord is looking at something else. We see the outer appearance, but God is looking at something else. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So my question is, what does the heart look like? What does the heart look like? You see, David wasn't that impressive. He was a shepherd, and that was the menialest of tasks you could have. And shepherds stink. (laughs) So here he is, and even his family didn't think that highly of him because when they heard the prophet was coming and said, go get all your sons, even his father didn't bother to go get him out of the field. Oh, it's just David. I have seven other great sons. So even his father didn't think he was that outstanding. But what God loves to do is to take the most unlikely And to choose that one and say, this is the one I've chosen because I see their heart. And so God saw that David had prepared his heart and God was going to use him as a result of that. So there's three things that we need to do to care for our heart. And we can see this in David's life. The first thing is to embrace a life of solitude. You see, David didn't mind being alone with God. He actually loved it. 
And there were times when he was out there in the field, and he was tending the sheep, minding his own business, and a lion sneaks up to get one of the sheep. Now, a lesser person would absolutely have said, you can have the sheep. <laughs> one isn't going to kill us, you know. But I'm not going to risk injury and let, or let alone my life for you to have the one sheep. David said, no, I take my job seriously. I'm going to go get that sheep from the lion. And he did, and he killed it. The next time it was a bear, same thing. He didn't mind risking himself for injury or death, and he went after it. But you see, there are times for each of us when isolation can be quite lonely. But it doesn't have to be as long if we can turn to the one who made us and knows us and is calling us to the quiet place. Because there are many things that the Lord needs to teach us in solitude. There are many reasons for some Reason, I'm not sure what it is, but we can only learn them alone by ourselves with no one else around. And it can be very, very painful, but it's very necessary for our growth. For all of us, there will be a time when God brings us to a very obscure place with no one else around to show us that he is enough for us. A number of years ago, when we planted our church in Risen King, the Lord came to me, in my mind's eye, that is, and said, I want you to get out of ministry. I'm going to, I want you to go home. I'm going to teach you to pray. And at the time, and when you plant a church, there's lots of things to do, and so you pick up and you do a lot, of, a lot of different things, and I was doing that. It took me about a year and a half to stop doing everything I was doing. And all I was doing at this point was attending Ladies' Bible study on Thursday morning. And so I get up one day, and I'm, I'm getting ready to go to Bible study, and the Lord said, what are you doing? I said, I'm, I'm going to Bible study. And he said, I told you to stay home. I'm going to teach you how to pray. And I said, well, Lord, I'm only attending. I'm not going. I said, I said, I know. I want you to stay home. I'm going to teach you to pray. I said, okay. So I went to the Christian bookstore, and I go down the aisle on prayer, and I'm getting books, and I'm loading up. And the Lord says, what are you doing? I said, well, you said you're going to teach me to pray. I'm going to get books and start reading on prayer. He said, put them back. I told you I'm going to teach you to pray. I want you to bring your Bible, bring your journal, bring yourself, and sit there, and I'm going to teach you to pray. I'm like, but Lord, I mean, in 15 minutes, I'm going to run out of stuff to say. You know, I'm not sure that I can do that. He goes, I know. That's why I'm going to teach you to pray said, but it's more fun to be with other people. You know, you can intercede and you can play off of each other. Oh, good idea. You know, we can pray for that too. He goes, I know. I am going to teach you to pray. So after all my excuses and all my going back and forth with the Lord, and I surrendered and came by myself to the quiet, I realized how much I was made for the quiet. That's who I am. I am a contemplative. I love being alone with the Lord. I love listening. I love being in stillness. I love being in his presence. But he had to pull me away from all of those things, from me distracting myself, because what actually came up when I was alone was all my insecurities. All my insecurities came right in my face. And really, he showed me that I had a fear that maybe... He was going to be mad at me if I did come alone to here. 
And I didn't want to hear that. I didn't want to hear he was disappointed in me. I didn't want to hear that he thought I should be doing more. He never said that. But I was also afraid of what he might not say. How he might not say he approved of what he was doing. He might not say that he affirmed me. In my head, I knew that wasn't true, but my heart certainly felt that, so I just avoided the secret place by keeping myself busy and distracting myself. You know, sometimes I think we all do that. The Lord is calling us and wooing us to come away, to build solitude into our lifestyle, because it's what we were made for, to come away, to be with our God, and to hear from him, and to allow him to show us who he is and who we are. But we distract ourselves, and we stay busy. And so it gets hard. He wants us to know that our identity is to be established in his love alone. It's not by what we do. Our identity is to be in him and him alone. And we're scared sometimes to be with ourselves but he wants us to be secure in him. So we need to embrace solitude as a way of life. The second thing we see from David's life is that embrace the worship of God rather than man. You see, David embraced the worship of God and lived for God only. And you can see that by exactly what he did. In the next chapter of 1 Samuel 17, we have the story of David saying, David's dad saying to him one morning, David, I want you to take this bread to your brothers, take this cheese to the commander, go find out what's going on with the battle with the Philistines and bring me back a good report. David said, sure, dad, I'll do that. So he goes to find in the valley of Elah where the battle was. And as he got there, they were just getting into their battle lines and this man comes out from the enemy's side and he's screaming and yelling and hollering and swearing. And he's saying all these horrible things about Israel and about their God. And David's looking around and he's thinking, you know, when are, when are they going to start doing something? When are they going to start saying something? You know, actually that reminds me of when I was uh, in high school. My younger sister, Linda, and I used to fight like the Dickens, arguing back and forth. My mother called it bickering. Quit your bickering. And we would not let it go. We would just keep going, arguing back and forth, back and forth. But, you know, the minute we left the house... And if it was someone from school or someone on our team said something about my sister, ooh, I, I rose up and I stood up and was like, you cannot say anything about my sister. I can say something about my sister, but you can't. That's the same attitude, actually, that David had about his God. Our God is powerful. Our God is awesome. Our God is mighty. He is the living God. You cannot talk to him like that. And he loved him, and so he was willing to do whatever it took to stand up for his God, because his God was amazing, and he knew that. So we see that in his life. And he would spend his time worshiping the Lord out in the field with his lyre, making song after song after song after song to show his devotion to the one he loved. His adoration. You see, when you fear man more than you fear God, eventually you lose perspective about what your God can do. But when you love God more than men, you soon realize that our God can do anything. 
and holding on to his hand, we are unstoppable. So don't lose perspective. Don't lose perspective of who our God is. And so we need to love him with all our hearts and care for our heart and allow him into that deep place within us. The third thing we need to do to care for our heart is to perfect the ordinary so God can use us in the extraordinary. David perfected the ordinary by being faithful in the little things. He didn't go looking for a big battle to become famous. He just did what was in front of him. And when it was sheep, he tended the sheep. When it was a bear, he dealt with the bear. When it was a lion, he dealt with the lion. When it was the giant, he dealt with the giant. Whatever it was, that's what he did. He did what was right before him. And otherwise, he just played his harp and kept singing, practiced his slingshot when there wasn't anything to do, and he just went about in the ordinary. Back when we planted our church, about a year into it, the senior pastor came to to Ron and I and said that he wanted to make me the director of women's ministry. And I was very excited, and I wanted to do that. I had vision for women, vision for our church. It was a very exciting time. But as Ron and I talked about it, he said, Honey, I don't, I don't quite think it's time, because Kelly's only 13 months old. We want to have more kids. You said you wanted to be home with them, and so I don't know how that's going to work with all that I'm doing, and I'm doing my doctorate and all this. And so it just seems like it's a lot right now if both of us were full-time in the church. Well, I get all mad, and I'm thinking, he's trying to control me, you know? So I go off when I do, and I feel like that. I go be alone with the Lord. The Lord said, Lord, is is he trying to control me? And the Lord's like, no, dear, he's not trying to control you. This is actually a matter of him cherishing you and loving you very, very much. He listened to what you said you wanted in your life. You said you wanted to have more kids. You said you wanted to be at home. And there's plenty of time for ministering to everybody else. Why don't you just focus on your family? It's not, this is me. Don't blame your husband, this is me. And so I'm saying, don't take this position. So we go back to the senior pastor. We say, no, we're not going to take this position. I was disappointed. The next day in church, we're sitting there. The Lord just brought this to my mind yesterday when I was walking around Rockland Lake this part of the story. We were sitting in church, and the song, Ask of Me, and I Will Make the Nations as an Inheritance for You, from Psalm 2. We were singing that song. I won't sing it for you. And we were singing that song, and the Lord said, Ask me for the nations. And I'm like, okay. Lord, can I have the nations? I mean, it was kind of interesting. I didn't even know what that meant. But yesterday, the Lord reminded me that 15 years later, I'm now in a place where the nations come. Nike is a place where there's over 60 nations represented. I am in a position as a spiritual covering of the undergrad to be able to minister and to pray and to ask God for the nations, for these men and women to know God and to love him with all their heart. You see, when we dare to trust God with all of our hearts. What he brings about in his timing and in his way 
is so very, very powerful. But we have to just do what is in front of us. And at the right time, he will get us to the next place. For some of you, I have heard you, you want to be apostles. You want to be prophets. You want to be great teachers. You want to be great leaders, strong leaders of men and women. And those are good things. But right now, what is before you, God is saying, I want you to be a leader of toddlers in the nursery. I want you to be leaders of your family. I want you to be leaders of that small group, a handful of people that nobody else sees. I want you to give yourself there with all of your heart. Perfect the ordinary. God shows up in ordinary places very, very powerfully. Because it's in the ordinary place where he begins to shape our heart. It's in the ordinary place that he forms our heart and he forms our character. And it reveals a lot of things in that place that we would like to skip over. But in the kingdom, you don't get to skip over. In the kingdom, you go through things in order to let him refine you and to become all that he intended for you to become. It's vital that we do the jobs that are before us with excellence because, again, that is where our heart is shaped. I don't know how long you will be in that place in terms of time-wise. All I know is that you will be there as long as it takes for you to surrender to the ways of God and to trust him with all things. No matter how long that ends up being, though, you need to know it is not a punishment. It is not a punishment. It is meant to release you from the stress of anxiety and fear and depression and intimidation that you live under. Because the Lord wants you to know, even if proximity, if you were to move to a different place, that lesson will keep coming back and coming back, and coming back, and coming back until you surrender to what God is trying to say to you in that place. And it reveals your lack of trust of him. But as you surrender to him and allow him, Matthew 6, 33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. It will come in his time and in his way but you have to trust him. And so do the ordinary. Perfect the ordinary so God can use you in the extraordinary. So with all these positive things about David, we need to realize that this is a lifelong process. It's not seasonal. Oh, let me work on my heart this season. No, it's an ongoing thing for the rest of your life because when we slack off, that's when our lives kind of blow up in different areas. And that's what happened with David. He slacked off, and that's when he saw Bathsheba and took her and murdered her husband and lied and deceived and, you know, wasn't a very good leader at that time, all because he slacked off from tending his heart. For some of us, it's time to re-up our resolution of our heart. We are slacking off in some areas. And God wants us to return to that place, 
Tell me again, the Lord is saying, tell me again that you will seek me above all else. Tell me again that you will allow me to perfect the ordinary in your life. The Lord can be trusted, and he wants us to worship him with all that we are, to seek to please him with all that we are, and to be alone for as long as it takes so that he will be enough for us. You see, people focus on the outward, but we care for our heart because that is what God sees. And God has good things in store for us, and he's looking for men and women who will embrace these qualities. In Acts chapter 13, verse 22, God is referring to David again, and he says, after Saul had been removed as king and David became king, it says, God testified of David. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, He will do everything I want him to do. Wow. God is the one that testified about David. He will do everything I want him to do. That's what God is looking for when he looks at your heart and my heart. When he looks, people are looking at the outer appearance. He's looking at the heart. I'm looking for men and women who will do everything I want them to do. Not skipping over things not trying to go to the wow instead of the ordinary, not those who distract themselves when I'm calling them. Come away, I have good things to tell you. I want to show you who I am and what I have made you for. No, God is looking for men and women who will do everything that he wants them to do. In verse 13 of the passage we read earlier, It says, and from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. You see, David hadn't done any wowy things yet. He wasn't the great King David. He was the 15-year-old punk kid who was doing the shepherding. But from that day on, and I kind of think about it, and I think, you know, here he is. He's out there in the sheep, minding his own business, singing away, you know, doing his slingshot, and some Buddy runs up and says, David, David, hurry up. You've got to get to your home. Your dad wants you. The prophet Samuel's there. Hurry up and come. And they run all the way back. And they get there, and he's breathing heavy. <sighs> and he's like, stop breathing so heavy. And they're like, okay. And he's like, no one says anything to him. And he stands there, and he hears Samuel start saying words, and he feels oil poured on his head. He's like, what is this? Wait, this is what they do to kings. You know? You finish. Okay, David, go back, go back to the sheep. David goes back to the sheep, goes back to life as ordinary because it's 15 more years before David becomes King David. You see, there are ordinary, our life is ordinary. Be who God has called you to be in the here and now. Go away to the quiet place and embrace the solitude and the stillness for God to tell you who you are. That you can embrace the worship of him more than the applause of men, more than what they think, more than what their image is. That to love him with all your heart and perfect the ordinary. Because there will come a time when God wants to do extraordinary things through you. 
very powerfully for his name's sake and for his kingdom to be advanced on every level. You see, Risen King, I think our call to action this morning is that God wants us to embrace these three areas in our life, individually and corporately. But we need to face our fear of what we'll find out if we embrace solitude and we embrace loving God above all things and we embrace the ordinary. Because we won't have to fight so much for attention and for approval and for affirmation because our security and our identity is sealed and established by the love of the Father and we rest secure in who he is. You see, there's always a sense that we're missing out on something. I'm going to lose my turn in line. I'm going to be left behind if we don't do it now. Lord says, relax. I got it. I got your timetable. I know what I'm doing. Not so. You will not be left out because God is getting you ready for the good works he's prepared in advance for you to do, as Ephesians 2.10 says, because you are his workmanship. You are his precious sons and daughters. And so he's getting you ready. He's getting you ready. He's getting you ready. When he looked at David, he saw a man who would do everything God wanted him to do. When he looks at us, I hope he finds the same thing. And when he looks at us, you know, I look at us, Risen King, you know, well, compared to other churches in this area, we're not that big. We're not that flashy. Maybe we're the most unlikely ones for God to pour out his spirit in such a way to bring his kingdom to this region because we know who our God is. We come away and we be with him and we do the ordinary faithfully day in, day out, day in, day out. We don't need a big name. We just are faithful to do what he's put in front of us. So Risen King in 2016, let's focus on resolutions of the heart. Let's keep practicing our solitude and practicing loving God and practicing doing the ordinary. So as the worship team comes back, I just we have time. I want us to just take some time to be quiet before the Lord because some of us actually do need to come up and get prayer. We need to get prayer because we need to admit to someone else that we have been afraid to be alone with the Lord. Because there's something about speaking it out and asking for prayer and asking for help that disarms it. God is calling you away He is calling you to himself so that you can become the man or woman of God he created you to be. Let's be quiet before the Lord. If there's any prayer team people at all, would you come up now?
like what you said of David in Acts 13, that I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Lord, we want to be those people that will do everything you want us to do. And Lord, we need to repent because we have put stipulations on you. You can do this much, but no more. Kind of reveals our heart. So we need to repent of that. Some of us have been afraid. We've distracted ourselves quite well to come away to be with you because we have a distorted view of you, thinking that you're going to somehow be angry with us or disappointed in us, and that is so far from the truth. some ways, Lord, we need to repent because we have fought tooth and nail to skip the ordinary and get on to the better things. But Lord, we declare that we want to be a people who trust you fully, who are willing to wait as long as it takes because we know you are good and we know you can be trusted. And so, Lord, I pray that this year, resolve to be men and women who seek you with all our hearts. That we will do whatever you say, we will obey you whatever you ask, and we will not fight you and we will not argue, we will not bicker. We will say yes, Lord.
sing it one more time. Love came down. Love came down and rescued me. Love came down and set me free. I am yours. I am forever yours. Mountain high or valley low, I sing out and remind my soul. on us. Lord, we want to be a people after your own heart. So Father, this morning, just as we reflect on all that you've done for us, all that you've spoken to us today, God, I pray that as we leave, Lord, we would live under this new life, this new covenant, live out of the, the greatness of your name and all that you've given to us. In Jesus' name we pray. If you want to hang out for a little while longer, there'll be some prayer team up here. If not, have a great day, a great week. We'll see you next year. forever I am yours forever